Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. We hope that the message today will equip and inspire you to be more like Jesus as we learn how not to read the Bible. Uh, I don't know if any of the other husbands in the room can say amen with me on this, but have you ever had a time in which you're trying to be helpful to your wife and rather than being helpful, it becomes more of a, thank you for that nod right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So my wife uh, and I will have some friends over. And so she's getting the house ready to have some friends over. So she'll send me to the grocery store with a list of things to purchase so that we can entertain our guests. And I remember one occasion she asked me to get like potato chips and dip, potato chips and dip. And so I remember like going to the store and I'm in the dip section, the refrigerated dip section, and they've got all the usual dips like uh, sour cream and chives and French onion. But on this particular day there at the HEB in our neighborhood, they had this brand new craft, and I don't remember the exact thing. It was like garlic and jalapeno chip dip. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. That sounds really like a good combo. So I remember bringing it home. And then my wife is like, all right, chips. And then she's like, hey, where's the French onion dip? And I'm like, oh, I got this garlic and jalapeno dip. It's like brand new. See, it says new or whatever. And she's like, oh, I don't know about that. She's like, uh, did you, do you, have you tried it before? I'm like, I haven't tried it, but it's brand new. Like, you know, they have this big old display. It's brand new. And she's like, go back to the store. I want you to get some French onion dip. <laughs> So now when my wife sends me out, uh, when we're having guests over or she's busy and she says, would you go to the store for me? She sends me out with a very, very, very detailed grocery list. I mean, very detailed. It will say like, I want you to get the Kraft French onion dip, not low sodium, not low fat, full fat, full sodium. It's in aisle 12 in the refrigerated section, probably about eye level. So she is that specific. So she sends me out now with a very, very specific grocery list because she has expectations that I often don't meet, all right? But here's the thing. Uh, I thought about that, that uh, for some of us, like being a mom on this Mother's Day is just like that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs 31, the passage that I'm sure 90% of the churches in America are preaching on today, Proverbs 31, and just hold your finger there. Proverbs 31, uh, that last section is written by King Lemuel. There's not a whole lot known about King Lemuel, except the last 22 verses are from the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet from Aleph to Tav, and it's 22 descriptors of this wife or this mom. So don't write this down today, ladies. We're going to send an email out first thing, I think, tomorrow morning or at like 10 o'clock tonight to all the women who are registered at Bay City Fellowship. But he lists 22 checklist traits of a godly mother. So a godly mother from A to Z. Here's for trait number one. I'm going to go fast uh, initially, and then we're going to go through each of these a little bit more uh, in depth. Trait number one is she is strong. Trait number two is she is trusted. Trait, trait number family for all seasons. She shops for clothes for her family for all seasons. She shops resourcefully for her family. She's up before dawn preparing to feed her family. She generates income to help support her family. She's strong emotionally and physically. She's a diligent worker. She's willing to get her hands dirty. She's involved in ministry to the poor. 
She is prepared for harsh seasons. Number 13, she makes exquisite clothes for herself. Number 14, she enhances her husband's leadership. Number 15, she's profitably industrious. Number 16, she has character and hope. Number 17, she's a wise Bible teacher. Number 18, she oversees her household dutifully. Number 19, she's appreciated by her husband and kids. Number 20, she's head and shoulders above others. She's above average. Number 21, she fears the Lord. And number two, she's praised because of her character and productivity. So those are the 22 traits of a godly mother, according to that well-known proverb, Proverb 31, verses 10 through 31, taking the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet to describe a godly mother and wife. So to all the moms in the room today and all the wives in the room today, even just maybe the women in the room too, do you feel a little pressure with this list right here? You feel a little bit of pressure? Just a little? And that's the danger with what I call checklist Christianity. Here's five other dangers. Number one is this. The checklist never ends. If you live your relationship with the Lord as a checklist of things to do, if you approach the Bible as let me find the things I need to do or not do, the checklist will never end. If you're living by the checklist, it'll never end. Number two, as you noted, the checklist leads to pressure and exhaustion. As you look at all these traits, it says she takes both the wool and the linen. So in the text, it says she makes clothes in the winter for her family and also in the summer with linen. The checklist leads to pressure and exhaustion. Number three, the checklist leads to comparison because this is why. You may have a list of 13 things, but your person sitting next to you, the woman or wife sitting next to you, the mom sitting next to you may have a list of 18 things, and she thinks she's better than you because your list of 13 is five less than hers. Or maybe your list is 18 things. Both of you have a list of 18 things every godly mom or wife should do. But let's say you're only keeping half of them, nine of them, and she's keeping 12 of them. It can lead to comparison. And I don't know about you all, but moms in the room, have you ever felt comparison at all about maybe your house or your kids or where you are in life? And number four is this, the checklist leads to expectations. The checklist leads to expectations. And this is namely with the people around you, but also with God. If you say, God, I did 18 of the 22 things. I did 16 of the 22 things. And that's more than my neighbor. That's more than my Bible study leader. That's more than someone in my community group. I've done more, so I deserve more now. I'm expecting you to bless me with more because I've done more. And it leads to expectations. If you live by this checklist mentality of I've done these things just like at work. I check off these things, and you know what? I get a promotion. I get a raise. God, I've done all these things, and now I'm deserving of more of your blessing. And finally, here's the last danger. The checklist doesn't lead to intimacy with Jesus. The checklist doesn't lead to intimacy with Jesus. And here's the idea for today. The Bible is not a moral checklist, but a unified revelation that leads to King Jesus. That's what the Bible is. It leads and points to King Jesus. So it's not a checklist of all the do's and don'ts. And I'm going to get into what, what does it all mean then? What does it mean with all these things here? But it's not a checklist because there's dangers to that. And so the, really the message I jokingly title a godly mother from A to Z, 
That's not the passage today. The title is called The Pressure is Off. So all the moms in the room who feel pressure on a regular basis, the pressure is off. The pressure is off. If you feel the pressure of checklist motherhood, of checklist being a wife, and anybody in this room, if you feel the checklist of being a believer in Jesus Christ, here are the things that I have to do. Absent from a relationship with Jesus, the pressure is off. Now, let me give you the context first of Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 isn't a handbook for mothers. It's not a handbook or a checklist for mothers, but a queen. It's King Lemuel's mom. He's quoting his mom, but a queen warning her son, the prince, to be very careful in choosing a wife because he reminds, she reminds him, you're a prince and you're going to be a king. The woman that you marry is going to be a queen. So choose very wisely. That's why there's these very lofty expectations. You read Proverbs 10, uh, 31, 10 through 31, and this woman never sleeps because she's up late into the night doing business and working, and then she's up early in the morning getting stuff ready for her family. She never sleeps. She's over her whole household, which includes servants as well, because she's going to be a queen. And so that's the context of Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. So here's the thing, ladies in the room. Unless your boyfriend is a Saudi Arabian prince, this does not apply to you. Unless your boyfriend or fiance has the last name Walton and you're going to be both a wife and the new CEO of Walmart and Sam's Club, this probably doesn't apply to you directly because it's designed for this very exclusive woman who's going to be queen next to King Lemuel. But here's a principle that applies to all of us in the room today. Point number two, the modern day application is this. Marriage is one of the weightiest decisions you will make, so be careful in choosing a spouse. And that's why I love pastoring Bite City Fellowship at Spring Branch, because we have so many couples getting married and engaged. And it's one of the biggest decisions, one of the weightiest decisions you will make in life. The most important decision in life is what you do with Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he a good teacher, a moral teacher? Is he a prophet? Or is he your king and your savior that you trust? So the first decision is that. But outside of that, really, it's like your marriage and your friends, like who you choose to be your friends and who you choose to spend your life with in the covenant of marriage. That's why I love Bicey Fellowship, because we have so many couples getting married and getting engaged and young couples and having kids and doing baby dedications that we as a church get to have this foundational role in that. Let me put a little plug in here. We didn't really clarify this. Speaking of that, we do have many, many couples getting engaged. And so we have a ministry called Merge. And so Merge helps couples prepare, dating couples and engaged couples prepare for marriage. And we have had several couples who have gone through it and realized we should not get married. We shouldn't get married because it is one of the most important, weightiest decisions you're going to make in your life. And so here's the little QR code. If you are married and you love the Lord Jesus and you're committed to doing it his way, we need mentor couples. And you think, man, I don't have time to mentor a couple. It is about an hour to hour and a half of your time every week for eight weeks. That's an eight-week commitment, hour, hour and a half. Well, you have these couples. I think it's like three couples that you will walk with. And we're trying to figure out right now Zoom or live uh, to make it convenient. We're probably looking at Zoom but you will mentor these couples and help them navigate what I call one of the weightiest decisions they will make. So turn with me to the actual passage we're going to look at today. We're not looking at Proverbs 31. 
We're going to look at Matthew 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. If you have your devices, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Oh, and if you would like to sign up for Merge or have questions about Merge, um, hit me up. My email address is icky, I-K-K-I, at bayoucityfellowship.com. Icky at bayoucityfellowship.com. If you'd like to serve or have more questions about it, because marriage is one of the weightiest decisions you will make, so be careful in choosing a spouse. So again, I will reiterate that the Bible is not a moral checklist, but a unified revelation that leads to King Jesus. Verse 28, a very familiar passage. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable, kind, and good, and my burden is light. The pressure is off. There are two calls here in verses 28 and 29, and we're going to look at the first one. Jesus says first, come to me, all who are weary. And this is a call to a relationship with him. This is a call to salvation. He says, if you are weary, and the reason why you are weary is perhaps you are trying to live checklist morality, trying to earn good standing with God by keeping all the rules, by doing all the right things. And what you're going to find in trying to do that, it is wearisome. It is tiring. It is exhausting trying to be a, quote, good person so that you can be on eye level with God, to be right with God. That word there, weary, is literally, the root word is punch or strike. So if you've ever done kickboxing class or martial arts, you know how exhausting it is to punch and to kick. And he says, for some of us, that's how we're living. We're trying to get on God's terms, be right with God, forgiven of God by punching and working hard for that. And he says, if you're weary, come to Jesus. That word burdened is only used twice in the New Testament. Luke eleven forty six talks about how the religious leaders of the day, of Jesus' day, would put these burdens on the people. They would take the law, interpret it, and then apply it and put this heavy burden saying, if you're going to be a good Jew, you have to observe Passover. You have to tithe. You have to fast. You have to do all these things. And they put a burden on them that they themselves were not willing to keep. Jesus repeats it in Matthew 23, 4 as well. He said the religious leaders put this burden on the people without willing to take it on themselves. So he says, if that's you, come to Jesus Christ and he will give you rest. Trying to work to get right with God, trying to work to be forgiven, trying to work to make sure your good works outweigh your bad works. If you are tired of working, you come to Jesus and he will give you rest. And that word rest, the English word that comes from that, the root word is pause. Pause. A military commander tells his troops to stop battling, stop fighting, and to rest. That's the picture here. He says, when you come to Jesus Christ and trust in him, he says he offers you pause or rest. But notice the second part. Now, this is a call in verse 29 to discipleship. He says, take my yoke upon you. And the readers of the day would understand what this yoke was because they lived in a grand culture and they knew the Old Testament it was to willingly and lovingly submit yourself to a teacher. It would be connected relationally, intimately with a teacher, to yoke yourself to that teacher and lovingly submit to that teacher. He says, take my yoke. Because he said the religious leaders of the day have given you a yoke of trying to work hard and works righteousness. 
But he says, now take my yoke upon you and learn. That Greek word learn, the root word is the same for discipleship, mathetes, mathetes, a student learner. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Yoke yourself to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus and learn from him. And that's why we study the Bible. We study the Bible in the morning or in the evening or afternoon. That's why we listen to audio Bible. That's why we listen to podcasts. That's why we do Bible study. We learn the Bible, not so that we have a checklist saying, all right, do this, do this, don't do this, but so that we can learn and sit at the feet of Jesus and lovingly, out of a relationship, obey him. And he transforms us. Why, he says, for I am gentle or meek. He has power that's restrained. He's humble, unlike the other teachers of the day who are proud. He says he's humble in heart. And there's that word again, you will find rest. You will find pause for your souls. So when we approach the Bible, it's not a checklist, a moral checklist, a handbook saying, if I'm going to be a godly mom or a godly roommate or a godly single or an amazing Christian, these are the things I do and I check it off. No, he says, rather than doing that, He says, we yoke ourselves to Jesus. We lovingly, intimately submit to him and we learn from him. And when we learn from him and then we walk with him and he begins to transform us. And look at this in verse 30. For my yoke, my yoke, this loving submission. Actually, put that picture up of the the oxen yoke. I've shown this before. And Jesus would have understood this because he was a carpenter. He was the son of a carpenter. They would make yoke for other ranchers and farmers. So the rancher would bring in his two oxen, typically like a big oxen or big oxen, a little baby oxen, and they would make a custom-fitted yoke. And that's what he says here. That word uh, uh, comfortable can mean custom-fitted, appropriately fitted to you, not to everyone generally, but to you specifically. He says, my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. The pressure is off. Uh, this picture I shared with you before, I was running at um, Terry Hershey Park or riding my bike, and I saw this father going probably at least 20 miles an hour on his bike, and there's his kid behind him being towed, and the kid was smiling with a big old smile like he was going 20 miles an hour. And I watched this kid smile gleefully because they were going so fast along Terry Hershey Trail, and I watched them, and I began to think to myself, and God began to speak to me saying, Icky, that's you. You've yoked yourself up to me, and you get to do a lot of amazing things, but it's not you. It's because you've yoked up to me. And that's what he calls us to do. We yoke ourselves up to him. Where he goes, we go. What he says to do, we do, not because of a checklist, but because we've lovingly submitted and yoked ourselves to him. We are intimately connected to him. So here's the, the, the point number three. The pressure is off. Be only who God has called you to be. And this applies to you as a mother, as a wife, as a roommate, as a single, as an employee, as a pastor. This is you. It's out of this intimacy with God. The pressure is off. The pressure is off. Um, How many of y'all have ever felt the expectations of others? Raise your hand if you felt the expectation of others. How many of all, uh, to all the moms in the room, the wives, and unless your mother-in-law's in here, because I know we had baby dedication, how many of all have ever felt the pressure of your mother-in-law? Pressure of your mother-in-law. Don't raise your hand over here. Don't raise your hand over here. Don't raise your, I see you over here. 
We all face these expectations and pressures from others. But here's the thing. The only one that you need to please is God. And if you find yourself pleasing to God and in Christ, you're fully pleasing to him already. If you find yourself pleasing to him, that he's the only one and he's the toughest one to please. But you are fully pleasing to him in Jesus Christ. I remember many years ago when I first became a pastor, very early on, I was in my uh, late 20s. And it felt weird to pass this church. And everyone who came to our church had a different set of expectations. Uh, I came from a very well-known pastor's lineage. We had some members from that church come. They lived in San Antonio. And so they had expectations of me as their pastor. And I remember one of our elders, his name was Wise Warren. And he's very wise. He's, his name reflects him. Very wise. He gave me this little, little Bible study. Very little. And I was going through a very frustrating season because it felt like all these expectations were placed on me as pastor to be their friend, to be their confidant, to be all these things, you know, to be there available all 24, 7, 365, felt all these pressures on me. And I remember I was on a bike ride and I put this little Bible study pamphlet like in one of my pockets. And I remember I got out to this really remote area in the hill country and I opened it up and it was a Bible study on 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus, which are known as the pastoral epistles. And if you want to find a job description for pastors that God has given, that's it. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. And I remember reading this Bible study. It was maybe like 30 pages long reading it. And all of a sudden, the weight was lifted from me of the expectations of others, saying, this is what God expects of me as a pastor. And culturally, his expectations on me. People have expectations, but this is God's expectation on me. And I felt the pressure being released. So friends, today... Matthew 11, 29 through 30, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the pressure is off. As a follower of Jesus, not checklist Christianity, not works righteousness, not sin management, but simply staying connected to Jesus Christ, staying submitted to Jesus Christ is our goal. The big idea for today is identity and intimacy leads to who you be. It's identity, who you are in Jesus Christ and intimacy that leads you to who you be. Not culture, not pressures from others, not expectations, both as a mom today, as a single, whoever stage of life you're in, but it's your identity, who you are in Jesus Christ, but also your intimacy with him, your walk with him that will determine, that will lead to who you are. So again, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Oh, can I say this too? Uh, remember this um, to all the single ladies in here, all the single women. If you ever meet an arrogant guy who says, I'm looking for a Proverbs 31 wife. <laughs> remind them. This is true biblically. This, this is no joke. I know I joke a lot. That Proverbs chapter 1 through 30 was written from a father to a son. So you can just retort back, well, I'm looking for a Proverbs chapter 1 through 30 man. <laughs> you got 30 chapters, Buster. I just got one. <laughs> and it's written to a queen. And if, unless you're a prince, it really don't apply to me directly. So the pressure's off. Our, our goal is this. So my, my charge to you is this, is stay relationally, intimately connected to him. Find time in your day to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. 
and as you learn from him, it may be that. You may read Proverbs 31 and God says, convict you of something. You say, you know what, God, I'm going to do that out of loving submission to you. Let me close with this. Uh, recently, and I invite you all, if you want to do this, uh, a group of us from Bayou City Fellowship, we ran the Katie Half Marathon. Uh, there's a 5K as well. Signups begin, I think, in early September. So if you want to run it with us, we went out to dinner the night before, had a good time. And then we ran the marathon or half marathon and 5K the next day. So if you're a runner, you can uh, run the half marathon. So if you're maybe a starting runner, do the couch to 5K, maybe do the 5K with us next year. But I ran the Katie Half Marathon, and I've never run it before, ever. And so I didn't know the course at all. I remember, like, it starts at, uh, not SeaWorld, the, the tunnel place. Schlitterbahn place, yes, the, the whatever place. And so I remember looking at the map. I don't know Katie that well, and it has all the street names and stuff. And I also had a goal. So here's a course I've never run before, never run before. Also, I had a goal. I run to, wanted to run the half marathon. Don't laugh at me, y'all. In two hours or less. All right, that was just my goal. I want to run two hours or less. My dilemma is this. A course I've never run. Two hours or less was my goal. But here's something that all major half marathons provide. Is they provide something known as a pacer. All marathons provide this as well. A pacer. And a pacer is simply somebody, they're in the little corral waiting, and they have a sign, and the sign has a time on it. So like in the half marathon, they had like one hour, 30 minutes. They had like one hour, 45 minutes. They had two hours. They had 150. They had all these times. In the marathon, same thing. You can find pacers from like probably like 220 all the way up to like six hours, even probably eight hours. They have pacers. And the pacer's job is simply to keep that pace. And so what I did when I got to the corral, because my goal was to run in two hours or less, was I just looked for the guy holding the two-hour sign. And you know what? I had no concern at all for mile markers and check marks of if I passed the right things and all that, took the right turns, because he knew the course. And all I had to do was stay yoked to him. And if I stay yoked to him, the two-hour pacer guy, through the whole race, he would lead me through the whole race, and he'd get me through in two hours or less. That's all I had to do. I could have check marks of all the mile markers and all the things I had to pass along the way and do it myself. But what I had to do simply was stay yoked to the pacer. And I don't know if this is good news, but I ran it in two hours and 37 seconds. All right. I fell behind the pacer guy. I fell behind. I remember him looking at me saying, you okay? I'm like, near the end. I'm like, yes, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> But also, to be fair, Joel Davis, community pastor, he measured the course, and it was 13.48 miles. So it was actually like three-tenths or four-tenths of a mile too long. So <laughs> I made it. My point with that is this, friends. Um, the life that you're living, the journey of this life, you don't know the course in front of you. You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know even how to get there. You don't know the milestones and the marker and the checklist. But all you have to do is stay connected to Jesus Christ. Stay yoked to him. He'll pace you along the way. Stay connected to him. Let's pray. God, on this Mother's Day, I know many moms feel the pressure, perhaps of expectations of culture, expectations of others, even expectations from Bible study and maybe even your word. 
But God, I pray the message today would resonate with all of us that the pressure is off. God, as your followers, all we have to do is stay connected to you relationally and intimately. Intimacy with Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him as his followers is our goal and our desire. And God, in so doing, we can recognize that the pressure is off. The burden, the weight is off. So God, we pray now that we would spend time on a regular basis sitting at the feet of Jesus in Bible study, in scripture memory, in dwelling on and abiding in Jesus Christ. And God, as we do that, we will become the followers of you, the moms, the fathers, the husbands, the singles, the employees, the CEOs, the pastors, the leaders that you've called us to be. You'll form us and shape us and mold us. And God, we do pray for uh, those here today who are working to be acceptable to you. We're striving and punching and fighting to be right with you. That they would come to Jesus Christ today and find rest simply by placing their faith in Jesus Christ alone as their King and their Savior. And God, we ask all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch app to find community in the body of Christ.